Welcome to the latest episode of Platform. Today, we're going to be speaking to Freddie White. For those of you who don't know, Freddie was responsible for Frenchie Fries, a French website or Belgian website, one of the two. Either way, it was in the French language and yeah, he put out a load of content, he put edits up there, interviews, stories. It was, yeah, it was cool. And in later years, he became involved with BMAG. I think he was the editor for them or basically was just responsible for curating a lot of content and was one of the driving forces behind keeping it active. Um, after Michael Byer kind of stepped away from it and Yo-Yo was running it for a while. And since then, he's also been doing the Cayenne Project. He's involved with that. And so far, they've made three videos. So they've made the Cayenne Project. They've made Delphon Dio and Formosa. And most recently, they made Quadro. He was also involved in the Nils Janssen's VOD, not the most recent one with Bobby Spazov, the one before it, Mind the Step, where they were in Thailand. And the focus of it was on, you know, just the environment and things like that. And basically, Fred has been involved in a lot of interesting things over the years. He's traveled all over the place. Every time I speak to him over the years, he's living in a different country or he's visiting a different country. I know he was recently in Amsterdam filming with Kevin for Plastic Pushers, the new Plastic Pushers video. So sometimes you just have to give a French man a platform. And if your platform is called platform, then it only makes sense that that platform should be given to a Frenchman. Now. If you've ever <laughs> seen any of Fred's Instagram posts or Facebook posts, you will know why that is funny because everything he does or writes starts with sometimes. And I'm going to ask him why everything he writes starts with sometimes at some point during this interview. Before that, though, cue the music. Here. Good evening, Dave. Good evening. Bonjour. Ça va? Ça va. Bonsoir, actually. <laughs> Bonsoir. Bonsoir. Um, how you doing? I'm good. A little tired, so my picture will match uh, my actual face right now. It's perfect. How, what have you been up to? Long day, busy doing nothing. Busy uh, doing nothing? So why is why is that tiring? Uh, I don't know. I just like the change of rhythm, I guess, from being outside every day and actually... You know, like waking up in the morning, going skating right away and uh, coming back at night, stretching a little bit, getting some food and going straight to bed and repeat for 10 days or two weeks. Yeah. And now I'm actually doing nothing. My body is not understanding the change. So I'm getting accustomed to it again. You're, you're not punishing me every day. I'm not coming home with cuts and bruises. What are you? What's, what's wrong? What hey, what's wrong with you? Why, yeah. I'm not, why am I not in pain right now? <laughs> well, I... Actually, I am sitting on, on, on my ass, which is missing a lot of skin right now. So I'm not sure how long I can actually sit without my body starting complaining again. But I'll try to, to make it work. How, how did you get road rash on the, on the buttocks? Um, last day in, uh, in Den Bosch, uh, Sven's town. So it felt like <laughs> last I had to, send it. I had <laughs> I had to, to... do like a little, you know, a city hopper kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, of course, messed it up a couple of times and uh, left my pants there and uh, a nice piece of flesh 
Nice. Was was uh, Sven Bokkers there with you guys or no? He was. He, he was. Was, oh. was battling his own trick at the time, but he got it, and I got mine. So everyone, everyone won that day. Randy so, had a sick ass trick on that spot as well. Randy Ables. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so is this is this your sponsor me tape? Yeah. This isn't for plastic. Yeah. Pictures, finally, just... Senate is uh, knocking at my door now, and I'm yeah, I'm man. ready. I'm all in. Brooke Howard Smith just called me the other day. Uh, they're waiting for that tape any day now. Hey, Brooks, Brooks uh, posting on Facebook trying to get back into the bleeding game. So there you go. That's your that's your end. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I got some some nice master pusher behind me, so yeah. I'm gonna try to get in the game. They want they want to start a niche uh, a niche rollerblading team just full of just full of middle aged guys. Actually, that's yeah. that's, ba- that's basically the Razors team these days because they're I think all. That's every- almost every team nowadays I, i'm more into the the bolden and bearded crew uh so i'll recruit uh, i'll get you on the team first and then uh i thought uh tom alquist and uh igor jovanovic my brothers from the north would actually yeah. fit in well as well tom alquist i like it yeah all right yeah i'll go, I'll go along with that um it's so got some good ads kicking on the skate still I, I don't doubt that for a second so how come how come you ended up being in Holland for how long did you say two weeks? Uh, I spent three days first and then drove back. Um, basically, the plan was I went up to Lille and caught up with my friend uh, Clement on the way. Uh, and the plan was to go there, spend a week, and then he would have to go back for work and I would stay a bit longer. But then he arranged something on the Saturday, which was my chance to see all all the old friends from Lille in one place at one time. Right. And so I drove back with them. I spent my entire Saturday laughing my ass off, catching up with everyone was the best decision. And then I, the next day I went back to Holland and filmed for another week. So are you talking about Clement? Uh, Clement Bucco. Bucco, yeah. Um, does he speak any English? Because I've tried, <laughs> I've tried to arrange an interview with him, and Kevin told me not to bother because he said that his English isn't isn't any good. It's, it's not the best. I tried to to hook him up with Duolingo sponsorship as well, but I don't think it's going anywhere at this right. point. But Kevin but, can't speak any French, so how do they communicate? Um, I think they got. I think B helped um, translate a lot when they were filming this uh, booted section together. Okay, so that was like how they got around to Clément saying yes, yes, uh, <laughs> yeah. to everything uh, Kevin would say. And uh, and then B said, asking him, like, oh, did you understand? He said, not a word. Not a word, right. So cool. B helped a lot. And um, and I guess Clément is really good at just uh, making faces and being just a funny, nice guy in general, uh, nice to be around. Right. So they, they found a way somehow over a year of filming. That's maybe why the filming took a year to to actually make a section together <laughs> but they did it and i do think it's one of uh it's definitely clement's best section oh yeah it was it was wicked and, yeah and it's one of kevin's best videos for sure yeah so that's that's why also i wanted to to get clement uh, along uh on this trip so he could get a i mean idea was to get a couple clips for plastic pushers too and then it turned maybe into something a bit bigger let's let's see i'm not gonna get carried okay. away but it went nicely Kevin, Kevin shoved the camera in front of you and you just got, you got a bit motivated. Yeah. I mean, it started as a joke. Uh, <laughs> it, always, it always does. That's kind the of problem. a joke, but it was, okay, we'll get some clips in the next Omi section. Like, yeah, sure, you come for 10 days. 
Clément spends a little bit less time, so he gets 10 clips, you get 20, and then we have a nice French section. <laughs> like, haha, okay, that's a funny one. But then in my head, it was like, okay, a couple clips would be nice, but 10 would be nicer. And then I got 15 in the end. I was like, hmm, okay, it's starting to look like something. So Nice. So you said you were in Lille with friends. Are, where, where in France are you from? Are you from France originally? I, I am from France, although my parents, uh, I was born in Paris, but my, my parents moved to uh, Boston, Massachusetts when I was one year, just past one years old. Okay. And then spent three years there and then came back and settled in this region, the center of France, pretty much like we're right in the center right here. Right. Uh, in a small village, uh, 10 kilometers from here. Um, my dad kept on moving for a while. My mom uh, stayed here. They divorced eventually, but she's been in this house almost ever since like so that's my mom's house and it's been my my childhood home uh for almost as long as i've been able to go around uh, on a pair of skates nice <laughs> and uh so that's where i am right now so it's a fitting place to have this interview because that's kind of the home base yeah are, are both your parents french yes they are Freddie White doesn't sound like a very French name. It's not my actual name, so that's I didn't think it was. Why. I thought you'd been lying to us for all these years. So what what is no, your real uh, name? Lying is not exactly uh, the, the right term. Uh, it's a Man manipulating the of my, truth. My name I'm Frederic Blanc. Frederic so Blanc, as you might know, is the color white, and uh, Frederic is Fred Freddie. So I basically guessed right when I sent you that message, right? Okay. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an easy guess. Some people just got it right without even knowing it. It's like thinking they're making a joke and that's my actual name. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so I, you've basically been involved in so many projects that I figure we'd go in like chronological order. So I actually wrote it down just to make sure I don't get lost myself. Yeah, there's, I, I'm pretty sure there's loads I've missed because you seem to just have a hand in everything that goes on. In no, no, I mean, not really, but I've That's moved good. around a lot and I guess every place is connected to different people and from these people and the interaction we have or the ideas we share, there's always something popping up. Right. So that's why Lille was actually the starting point of Frenchy Fries, for instance. Yeah. But okay, let me rewind a little bit. So until I was 18 and I graduated high school, I was here in Vierzon. So then in the center, then I moved to another city nearby called Tours and then to Lille. That's where I was. I did four years in total uh, as a student, graduated uh, kind of, <laughs> and then went on to the real world and uh, worked as a headhunter in Paris in high finance. For a year and a half. Okay. And that's when I started um, just to explain why Freddie White. It's because at the time I was myself hunting people down on every social network, had like dozens of fake profiles on LinkedIn and all these professional networks. And I was still at this point in life thinking, okay, this might be my job for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So everything. Um, rollerblading connected uh, should be should be under another name because I was Googling people all the time. So I know exactly how I knew how to find someone. And I didn't, I guess I didn't want to be found or this connection to be found so, so easily. Um, and from Paris, I, I guess I, I got really depressed and sad with this job and realized, okay, this is not what I'm actually going to be doing in the future. And I moved to California, spent almost a year in San Diego. And then came back to France, spent a couple more years in tours, went to Brussels for three years, moved to Germany, spent two years in Berlin, moved back to Brussels for a year and a half-ish. And then 
dropped the house and uh, since 2018, the summer of 2018, I've been home free. To, to say home, like this. home free, home free is, uh, is a polite way of saying <laughs> vagabond uh, slash homeless I just, slash I just, couch surfing. I, I stumbled upon the term in uh, in uh, one of Kevin's. He made this little fanzine uh, dedicated to to dogs. Right. And there's a we just like I saw it last week. Like he, there's a picture of a homeless guy somewhere in California with his dogs, and he has a little sign saying like "Army vet, blah blah blah, home free." And like, oh, cool. Like actually, that makes sense since. At least for me, like it's an actual choice and not, yeah, not something that's that I'm forced to live with. But I, I decided to go this this route. What were you doing in San Diego for a year? Uh, spending my savings from uh, from Paris and uh, deciding to go like the extra, the entirely opposite way from what I'd been doing before, working in an office nine to six every day, getting increasingly frustrated and probably depressed. Like I guess it took me. I guess I had to decide that I was quitting this job, like on the car ride back from the weekend. It's like, okay, actually tomorrow I'm going to tell my boss I'm actually quitting this job. And then I had one month still to work. And that, yes, that's the point where I started realizing all the small things I had been putting aside and all those, yeah, like that I was actually living in a tunnel and, and pretty sad in this life I was living. So California was like the opposite try to skate every day at least until i got hurt and yeah it was the best time it was a different time in my life as well i guess i was still a, a lot younger uh so the experience would be entirely different and i guess san diego was more of this californian dream still it was 2008 when i was there so still a lot more people skating monday night skate was pretty big as dsf was going strong right uh, i work i worked at the warehouse a little bit to to make some money there but essentially living the california uh, life it was nice at what warehouse the the razor sunshine warehouse no way okay i didn't yeah, I, mean, I did not know that right okay what was i mean that it's like? just like a small gig like for a couple of weeks here and there like the craziest right. jobs too but uh yeah that was funny i mean my roommate shout out to to them actually i was living with uh, matt morrison and jeff akers we're both working at the warehouse at the time no i mean working right, at okay. sunshine in general. yeah and um, Jason Rina and uh, and Matt Lewis. Thanks to them for having me for six months in total. That was that was a great time. How, how did you end up moving in with uh, with Jeff? I posted a message on the BMAC message board. Uh, <laughs> it was New Year's Eve because I decided to quit end of November. So then I had to work the whole month of December, and then I like like a month in Paris to get rid of my flat and stuff. And then I would have to find a place. I would need a place in California around February or yeah. beginning of March. So just posted a message on the board. Uh, I like uh, doing dishes and I like cooking and um, I'm good at cleaning stuff. So I guess uh, they liked the message and they like, I had the New Year's Eve dinner, went back in my computer, uh, on my computer, just had a message. Yeah, yeah, sure, you can come by. Room is free on uh, March 1st. Uh, Okay, <laughs> no questions asked. Uh, cash in hand was really easy, actually. Nice. That must have been quite a culture shock from growing up in France to living in California, because you, like, yeah, I mean the French mentality is very different to the North American mentality. It is, especially California mentality. But I'd been, I'd been there a few times. I was there on vacation. I went to visit. I have a really uh, my first friend I met when I was a baby uh, in Boston, 
was um, in high school in Concord. So I went to visit her as well, spent some time, went to high school. Like she was, I was on vacation in France, but she wasn't. So I was going to high school with her. Right. So I had this little taste of whatever, like what I would watch here on TV, like this, like sitcom, uh, sitcom life, you know, yeah. show up, uh, raise the flag in the morning, eat some donuts. And uh, it was, yeah, I had some some flashes and then I went to California the first time for skating and three years before that, 2005, some friends from the South, uh, Jim McFly, Adrien Bastouille, and Monsieur Roux. Uh, nice I, th I think everyone knows who Jim McFly is by now. Yeah, yeah the, the French yeah, things have changed a lot. He was not smoking. He, was, he didn't have a single tattoo. Yeah. Uh, and our relation has uh, quite changed since then. But uh, he was a sick skater, just as uh, I'm not sure if you've seen, he's a sick fucking BMX rider now. Like, okay. insane. Didn't know he was riding BMX now. Okay for a year and he's probably spent most of that year injured but he is nuts and everything he does essentially yeah, that, that, that doesn't surprise me yeah he likes he, he he doesn't mind risking at all yeah, yeah. um so what yeah like that, okay so i love how you just said oh yeah i'm not involved in everything to it and I, you just named something that i was not even aware of and i'm nosy as hell and end up finding out most things i didn't okay even though you only worked at the Razor's Warehouse for quite a short time, what was that like? Ah, it was really nice, actually. I did had the craziest sell, job. Did they have the I'm, I'm going to tell you, but it's just between you and me. The job was... You, you do know we've already started recording, right? Yeah, yeah I do know that. Right. <laughs> but it's only five people listening right now, so I guess I can't the, get in trouble for it the, anymore. If, you know, if I'm lucky. So there's prescription on those things. No, I, I have nothing bad to say, actually. Uh, I'm... Oh no, I wasn't I wasn't asking you to say anything bad. I was just like, did they have the skate park then? Uh, no, it was before that. I think they started right. building it. They still had the the neighbor that was renting this other part of the warehouse. So I guess this guy moved out the, the year after that. Right. It was so it was before the the skate park and the razor's house. Um but uh, the job was some of the Genesis skates came with some jug liners and instead of double sewing the little thing on the on top of the tongue of your liner the chinese workers only like barely stitched it so every time someone would pull the liner to put their foot inside the skate it would rip off this little piece of the yeah. tongue so it's not it wasn't actually damaging the liner but you would just like rip off the stitches right away and so the job instead of replacing the liners i just I just came here every day and just removed those little things on top of the of the liner's tongue. Oh, and, right, uh, so that they wouldn't notice they were gone. Right, okay. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. So we just pull the stitches out and that's it. But that was a perfect, uh, perfect job for me. I would go skate in the morning, power skate park, and have food, work for a couple hours. It was good as long as I was ahead of the job pretty much, and then go to the beach and then we'd barbecue in the evening at the house. And then do it all, all over again the same the next day. Um, so yeah, the culture shock was real, but it was really enjoyable. Like it was so different from the the past year and a half, just working in an office. Yeah, yeah I'm sure you can yeah. imagine. I can, I can definitely. I've, I've, yeah, I've been there, done that. Um, so you're you're a massive rollerblading geek like I am as well. So I'm mm -hmm. I'm willing to bet there was moments like this. Being in San Diego and obviously like lots of legends have kind of passed through there over the years. Were there ever any like rollerblading fanboy moments where you met someone you're like, holy shit, like mm. I, as a kid, I thought you were amazing or like, I don't know. Mm, I guess not really. 
No. I'm trying to think, like, honestly, moment where I might have embarrassed myself and there probably were some moments. But I can't, I can't think of one, really. I just, I, I probably one, was one of the million people who asked John Elliott why, like, would you want to skate a little bit? Like, I don't know, like, <laughs> pushing back on the skates, like, a million skaters have probably asked him before. Yeah. But I guess he was already way over it at that point. So I never caught him on the skates, unfortunately. But okay. no, I was part of a few like happy moments. Like I was, I think, at, at, at the Esco skate park, the first time Louis put skates on for the longest time. He hadn't skated for a couple of years. And I was there the, the one day he actually put some skates back on. Nice. So that was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like groomed moment. I don't know. But since it's related to part of my Blade career, I did judge my first contest, like a smaller contest at the Escondido Skate Park. And the head judge was Dominique Sagona. Louis was judging. And either Robert or Eric Schrein were judging as well. And I was really anxious before we started debating the result that I would come to, like I had come to a different conclusion and I would have to argue my case with those guys. Yeah. And thankfully, thankfully, we, we had everything like, we had all the same rankings, so I didn't have to argue anything, but that would have been like a, a good tryout for a first event as a judge. Oh, so that'd have been a pretty funny story, like getting into an argument about rollerblading with half of the original Senate kill no, team. I, I, I would have just shut my mouth and be like, yeah, yeah, sure, guys. No problem. No yeah, problem. Yeah. Um, that is pretty funny. So, yeah, I obviously knew you were responsible for the Frenchy Fries website, but then... Yeah. You you took over BMAG after Yo-Yo left. Is that right? Yo-Yo Yakubu, because I remember, because that was the same year I went to Winter Clash and Michael asked me to take over as the editor. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like I've just started, <laughs> I've just started my own publication. And then Yo-Yo took the job. And yeah. I was like, all right, cool. And he ran with it and like really like brought BMAG back from the dead because it felt so like... So I guess we have a similar experience because at the same Winter Clash, Michael probably asked me as well, like, would okay. you want to take over uh, BMAG? <laughs> like, no, I have Frenchy fries. And I'm yeah. still, I was still really involved with it. So no, I, like how it went, basically Frenchy fries started, we started organizing and, and working on it the year before when I was still in Paris. So my job sucked, but at least I had access to a computer with internet. So that's when I started using the, the BMAG message board a lot, connecting with lots of people. And that's when we started debating, like creating this website. And then I moved to California and I remember we launched the website maybe the weekend after Beta Call Showdown or something. I was still in Rochester and I was taking a bus to California a few days after. And, and so we launched uh, on that very weekend and and then it went on for like five years more or less so by the time i had come back to france when i was back i did work on it quite a lot uh we we're quite prolific there were like a couple down moments in the the whole five years period but all together we did produce a healthy amount of content all in french and english which was good for my future career as well and then at some point um 2013, I guess I was in Brussels. That's when Frenchy Fries stopped almost entirely. And Yo-Yo, so we refused that offer and Yo-Yo took it because he was doing Blading Info yeah. at the time and then merged the two concepts together and made BMAG what it became, thankfully. 
and I started collaborating. I was already producing stuff for for BMAG every now and then, but that's yeah, when I, I started that, yeah. working more closely together. And and there were a couple events when we were together. I mean, I guess my involvement with BMAG is more frequent than an editor in chief. Um, was through my relationship with Yoyo, like we just and Dominic, I guess those were two uh, really important factors because we started hanging out a lot at events. There were there was Roskilde the first year, which was amazing, best time of my life. Uh, like every first year in Roskilde, I think. I'm almost I'm insanely jealous that I've ne- I don't know why I never went, but yeah, and now it feels like that opportunity might not ever happen, but yeah. I mean, I've never been to Glastonbury, so there's there there you always miss out on something, but That's for true. sure there were and I and I was already late on the party, I guess like the years before were even crazier, probably. But the first year I went there, so 2013, and I went there with Remy Meister, who was yeah. my, my roommate at the time, but it's also like we were friends for 10 years at that point, and it was like I don't know, some sort of friendship celebration at that time. We we're both like broke absolutely broke we're like picking up the cans to survive and make it we had no money to go back to brussels either so we made enough we we hustled our way through that's, the that's, festival that, and that's back a lot to, of cans you need to collect if you're saving up if you're saving we did up work for travel back off. yeah we worked like crazy we'd party all night go to every concert we wanted to and then we'd pick up cans for a few hours drop them at six or seven in the morning with all the gypsies and, and Chinese people who do that as, as an actual job okay. and go, go sleep a couple hours, a few more for me and probably just a couple for me and then do it all over again. And then, yeah, it, it was intense. I can't tell all the stories that happened there, but it was, yeah, a, a explosion mind fuck on many levels that I, I think I tried to write, to write about it in some of those books we made where, the years after i'm not sure if you can see those are yeah, like small fanzines we made with uh dominic uh felix trozetsky and uh, alex schneider's the year after uh but essentially that's how we connected with yo-yo really strongly and started working like i did some so i did the live update from Hoskilde, which was as intense as it gets as a job because you do one every day so it's like seven days of festival eight days of updates and you obviously don't sleep and you're hungover every morning, yeah. but you still have to sit in this super hot container for a few hours until you get all the pictures in, write down your text. And meanwhile, you hear the music and the people are skating the skate park. That's a few meters away on the other side of the fence. And like every second is a real struggle because you just want to be out there with yeah. everyone. So, uh, yeah, uh, from there is when we started writing concepts and um, exchanging ideas a lot with Yo-Yo. After Roskilde, I went back to Berlin and spent a couple of weeks there. And that's when we started working like crazy. So I was traveling for the summer, but came back in. And during that summer, went to a couple of other music festivals. And that's when I decided I would go to Berlin and try to leave there and uh, went there. <laughs> and that's it, just started working. It was pretty intense from the start, actually. We were really work like the way Yo-Yo created or built the website could have been a f- like to keep everything um, updated and, and nice and proper would have taken like a full-time job for five people easily. Right. There was so many, like if you want to take care of all the events, all the social media, which was much smaller then, but still already taking a lot of time, all the events 
keeping in touch with everyone. Yeah, I don't know. You know the job. It's it, it can be lots. And, and so and we Yo-Yo, started. Yo-Yo is like when Yo-Yo decides he's going to do something, he takes it serious. He's like, "This is, you know, I'm dedicating everything." Definitely, to he this. was dedicated. So, I guess people would tell you the same about me. At least at that point in my life, this was okay. This is what we're doing. I'm not getting paid a single euro. I don't care. Let's do it. And that's, uh, that's what I was going to say. How feasible was it to do that? You know, because you're living, you're living in a different city where you're not from. You need to pay rent, bills, you know, food, support yourself. But you then you're also basically running a website for nothing. Uh, I mean, at the time, so after coming back from the my first Roskill in 2013. Like one thing I knew for sure is I was going to be back the next year. So I, I I got a job at a really, really fancy restaurant in Brussels and worked every single hour I could get and hustled as much money as I could, like saved everything. And um, so I could travel the next summer. But then I saved so much that I was able to go to Berlin and live a couple of months there with my savings. And my rent was 300 euros. I was living with Frida, Friedrich Reich, oh, yeah. gas blader and lady. Um, and, and so she had like this bigger flat uh, with her kid and, and had a spare room. So that's where I moved in. And um, she, she has, she has a child. She has two now, but uh, she did have one then. All right. No, but I always just thought she was really young or something. Okay. Uh, we're around the same age. She might be a little bit younger than me, but she's a lot more responsible and adult than me. So I guess that yeah. makes entire entire sense. <laughs> but um, how did it work? At first, it wasn't working, but I was working, and I was really like just into making it like happen. And uh, and then that's when also Michael and Leo from uh, Ignition. Uh, from back in the days, Ignition uh, created uh, the BMAC shop together. So Yo-Yo had like like, kind of sponsoring the website or like funding it or something. Yeah. Was that then? I'm not sure how, what the business deal they made was probably Leo wanted to have like a skate shop and then was paying some money to use the BMAG name. And that was like help to fund the website in general as a main sponsor kind of thing. Okay. And so I started getting 250 euros uh, as an employee for the skate shop as as a retribution for all the work, I, w- I was doing very little for the skate shop, but doing everything for the website. So that was a way to to kind of even it out. And uh, and Yoyo was getting a small pay from BMAC as BMAC. And uh, so I was getting 250, my rent was 300. So I only had to find 50 euros a month to make it work. <laughs> I mean, and, you, still, um, you still have to you still have to find money for food, and you know you're presumably going to want to have you know beers or whatever, or go out and enjoy yourself. Thankfully, once in a while. beers are really really cheap in Berlin, and everything is, is really cheap. But uh, yeah, I, I struggled for the while. I mean, the whole time I was in Berlin, I was really really broke. Uh, but it worked out, and I was spending honestly when I was in Berlin, we spend between ten and fourteen hours a day in front of my computer, and so maybe we would meet in the evening with Yo-Yo or Dominic and have a couple of beers, but that would be it, essentially. Uh, and most probably we would be discussing BMAC things at the time. So, yeah. um, and also I was still a head judge for fees at the time, so I would still make money here and there. So I guess altogether it was not a, a lot of money, but I, I could balance it. And then eventually Yo-Yo quit and I was already like, it's hard to say when the takeover happened because before that was 
uh, winter clash and after winter clash also you needed a break so there were already moments where i was like fully in control or in charge of bmag right. so i guess it just happened really naturally and since we built a lot of it together i guess i just transitioned into me being in charge and the site being essentially the same or run the same way and uh and then i so i had for a while the money from the shop and the website and i could live comfortably for my for my level which means 750 euros a month but but for me that was a lot of money at the time and uh but working yeah, like than, working like 13 14 hour days as you're saying like in front of a computer you know trying to keep all the social media updated keep in contact with people you know i've i've been there and done that you know commissioning photographers arranging interviews that people may or may not flake out <laughs> on after you've done like you know no, never happened before work. That, oh my god skaters flaking on you not happening oh ever. man i i genuinely thought doing this podcast that I, I wouldn't have to fall victim to that again and i can already name i'm only what 30 something episodes deep and three people have done it to me one person stood me up twice during for yeah like this. i think that's the specialty but then that's when you really want it and then you get it a second time you're like I would, yeah, I was like, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And they stood me up and I'm just sitting there on the other end of a Zoom call like a dickhead for an hour, just waiting on someone that's not showing up. Yeah, like I, I, I thought if I didn't have to get photos and, you know, so, yeah, it still happens. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's why I, I, I love doing the job. And I guess that was kind of a dream job of mine when I was really a younger blader, like, uh, when I started skating or started like going to events and stuff, Crazy Roller was the big media in France and still is one of the best fucking magazines I've seen in skating ever. Actually. Yeah. Um, too bad nobody could actually understand what they wrote, but they were really opinionated <laughs> and I think they were right on a lot of things. Way they were ahead of their time in a lot of ways. And uh, first fees I went to, I guess I got to to see Anto was the editor in chief, and and I went up to him like what. How does it work? How do I work for you? Like, what's the job? How do I become a, a skate journalist? So I guess it took a while, and I make it. I made it happen on my own with Frenchie Fries first, and then BMAG. Then BMAG. But yeah, BMAG just happened to be like this dream job that I had at one point, and so being there, done that, I'm not. I'm not missing it because yeah, like the amount of time. It's not so much the time you dedicate to it, but yeah, keeping track of everything on social media that the amount of time you have to spend on Facebook and Instagram. I, I mean, I didn't have a smartphone then. And so I was thankfully protected from, from Instagram. And it was not as big as it is now with yeah. the stories and with all the videos that go straight to Instagram and don't even transit through YouTube first. So I was still protected from that, but yeah, I would spend, also, I would spend this amount of time because then I would be gone for a couple of weeks or a couple of months where I could not dedicate as much time to the website. So I would prepare stories in advance. I was organizing ways ahead, like way ahead to to make sure I would keep the website running as good as possible, even when I was away. And that happened until the last winter, so winter 2015, and my computer broke down in China. And I guess I broke down with the computer. And for a month, I was unreachable because I literally didn't have a computer with me, not anymore. Yeah. And Dominic was telling me, hey, I'm receiving messages from Yo-Yo. And then, oh, I'm receiving messages from Michael. And I'm, like, I'm sorry, like, I can't handle it right now. Like, this yeah. is, I've been, yeah, my, my work tool has been stolen from me by fucking Chinese 
stupid Wi-Fi or whatever, like computer just exploded. It was like, okay, I'm going to take a short break. Uh, we go to Thailand, we'll skate, we'll do something entirely different and I'll go back and then make things uh, work again. But I guess that was uh, a way of um, becoming aware of the toll it was taking on my everyday life as well. And like the amount of space it was, uh, it was taking my head. And I probably didn't, ever skate less in my skate life than when I was in Berlin, which is ironic because I was dedicating my whole life to skating. That's that's the thing though. And I think what people don't realize is when you're that passionate about something and then you dedicate all your energy towards creating something for that passion, it means that you can no longer actually have the time to skate because mm. you know if if you're doing the website and writing stories and da 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 like your friends will contact you and be like, Hey, we're going out skating at six o'clock, and you're like, Shit, I've arranged to do an interview tonight. I can't come out skating at six o'clock. Or then someone's like, Oh, go out tomorrow, and you're like, Yeah, I've got to type it up, I've got to da-da-da-da. I've got to contact. So there's, I think there's just there's so much more that goes into it that people aren't aware of. And I think it can be very easy to get burnt out, especially if you do it yeah. for like a prolonged period. And you were doing BMAG for several years. Couple, like fully a couple, two years, I guess, like back to back from summer of 2014 to summer of 2016, which is like the, the time my contract actually expired or my spoken contract but i i it was the best time as well because what i just said about oskilda my i think i gave the keys to the website to josep just i think it was the first day of the music days in oskilda so i did the, the last couple the first couple of days of oskilda were my last couple of days of bmag and then the music was starting and i just got to write these thank you notes and then I was free, and, and then, then it was fucking then music then every time, day. Yes, that's <laughs> very liberating. The best place it could have happened as well, because it was kind of the start of my like full time involvement with the website, and that's when I also got to get my freedom back. So that was very very enjoyable. So was and that the same year that you guys did the first Cayenne project? It was the year after. Yeah. Uh, the first Cayenne tour happened in uh, 2015. So you weren't you. We I was still, doing BMAG. I was I was doing, doing BMAG on okay. tour every day. Right. Like I was in the morning, I was doing like all the updates, all the the picture of the day, the five news posts today. It was really structured the way I did it as well. So I knew exactly like, okay, this is my template for the day. I need to have at least four fresh news plus one picture. And if I'm if I'm lucky, like well on tour, it's harder, but like I also need like the plan was you get a full-length article on Wednesdays. Fridays and Sundays, right. or tw- like at least three times a week. That was a point for like a main article, and then you get like five news posts a day. So, so how that, did- that 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 was my mornings, and then we sometimes the guys would have to go and skate before. And like, at least in Hamburg, it happened a couple of times. I stayed at home and worked a bit longer, and then I would catch up with the guys. But that so was intense. Who came up with the idea for KM project? Like who? Because. I guess Carsten had the idea for a long time uh, because he was going to Roskilde before. And I guess he always kind of had in the back of his head the idea, oh, since all these guys are here, might as well like do something afterwards, but never really pushed forward. And then I moved to Berlin 
and came up um, it's quite a logical idea it's not like a genius idea obviously all the all these guys are here their flights are most of them their flights expenses are taken care of because by Roskilde so all we have to do is take care of them for like a couple of weeks and then they can get on the return flight and um and so I started talking about it with Yo-Yo and Yo-Yo told me hey Carson was thinking about it a long time ago you know um so connected with Carson made it happen I guess it's a shared effort, shared idea and shared uh, shared effort. And how did you decide who to include? Like, how did you just decide to make it like that cast of people? Because it's not, throughout the four videos that you guys have made, it's not actually changed that much. Like, a few people have dropped away because they couldn't do it. Like, you know, War yeah. Hodge couldn't do certain... It's still, like, but it's still part of it. That's the thing. Like, yeah. for various reasons, he couldn't make it to the second, uh, was too late on the third... And then on the fourth one, we really tried our work with him in Thailand and we really run uh, him being Thai is really hard for him to get a visa. And so we were trying to find every loophole to get him into Mexico, found one, then we're too late to get the tickets and then realized that, okay, uh, the only way to go is through the States, but then you get, a, you need even to transit in the international zone of the airport, you still need a visa to enter the States, even if you're not entering the States. And for him, that was absolutely fucked. Yeah. And yeah, so he's still part of it. Everyone who's been involved with it from the start is still part of it. Um, I, I'd like to see it as shares. So it's like 15 people have an equal share of the project at this point. That includes Jonas Botker who's doing the design and all the graphics and uh, Guy Crawford who's doing the website design. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to think we all have an equal share of the project and there's no, I mean, obviously this isn't, yeah. It's an ideal and it's not really how it works with it. But we had a big discussion during the first tour, uh, trying to decide how we're going to split the money and so on. Like, what's the, because we knew we we're going to make another one for sure already uh, during the first trip. So we're trying to decide a way. And we came to the conclusion that the only way to make it fair is that everyone is equal in the, in the equation. Everyone has an equal share of the profit and thus of deciding if they come or not on the next tour and so on. But we did include two new skaters the next year, Dominic and Joe. Yeah. But that was a big discussion. It was not like, okay, yeah, sure, let, let's have them on tour. Uh, we discussed a lot about it beforehand. It was not so easy and not everyone agreed because of this thing. Like, But they have to earn their share. We all have earned it from the first trip. So some people's argument was they have to earn their, like they have to buy their way in, for instance. I, that's, I wouldn't say that's unfair. That's uh, like, I can understand the point of view. Um, I didn't agree with it, but I can understand it. But in the end, they came and I think they made the tour so much better, especially after Joe's performance. In oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Joe skated and seen in it. Um, uh, was there any profit to split? Because when I talked to Jonas, he, he was under the impression that the you guys essentially just kept putting money back into the project for each new trip and that there wasn't really much in the way of profit at all uh, he said, tricky he said, topic it's not that i want i don't want to talk numbers but at this point i have no clue what the numbers are anymore because yeah, it's not well, my bank account yeah and um i sure wish a lot of things were handled differently when it comes to accounting and stuff uh we did realize before the trip to mexico like three days before the trip i got a message from carson saying that he underestimated uh he overestimated the amount of money we had left 
and uh by wide meant Carson. margin uh, yeah I like said Carson. huge margin like a mind fucking huge margin and it was like okay so i thought we had a budget and actually we fucking broke and uh we went on with it and so now i'm not sure exactly we did sell videos so money came back in then how much are we going to pay in taxes and yeah. so on is another topic um a lot of things to me have to evolve if we want to make it work i'm not sure we're gonna evolve i think it's a perfect moment to do it i'm not sure it's gonna happen uh this is the most i can say right now like obviously also with this current situation the whole yeah. idea of even going on tour is in limbo because getting 12 people from three different continents all in one place with the current restriction is not even a oh, topic yeah, it's, it's pretty much impossible and some you know land borders could get shut down at any moment yeah Countries that's the could thing turn, you could you, know, you could plan given like the current regulations but you have no idea if they're going to stand like in the next three weeks it might have been changed entirely yeah so there will probably be another kind of tour uh I'm not you're, sure you're, I'm going to be involved with it. But you're, let's, you're skipping let's ahead. I don't even want to get to that bit yet. Right, Fred, you need to you need, pace yourself, right? It's, it's, I'm pacing. Know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So obviously there was the, when I spoke to Carson about it, he basically said that each consecutive video made less money than the next one. He was like, you know, it kind of just kept going down. And depending on what the starting point is or how many sales there were at the start, yeah, it's like it's all relative and how much that would be doable. But you said it yourself, like with the Mexico one, you guys realized that you completely over budgeted yourselves and mm -hmm. put yourselves out of pocket. Aside from that kind of hurdle, what other, what other like difficulties did you guys run into making the videos, whether it was either, you know, the European one or the Greece one or the one and, um, Oh God, I always get it wrong. It's not Thailand. Um, I'm going to let you struggle for a minute. Taiwan, Taiwan, Taiwan. I always get, I always like get those two mixed up, um, because I'm Western and ignorant. Um, <laughs> one so, is in an island and the other one is not. And uh, uh, so, what were it. like, what what were like the main kind of difficulties that you guys ran into while making them? Whether whether it was either organizing it or whether it was when you were actually on tour together, like because I think. I would say the start of the previous, like the last one, uh, the latest one, at least, uh, Mexico was just a bit of a struggle in terms of, okay, so we realize we're over budget. So of course that puts a little extra stress, but I don't, I can't say it was too much on the mind. Maybe Carson was, was more into that, that idea at the time, but it was like, okay, we're here and we got to make it work. So it's not going to change much in the way we operate, at least while we're here, we got to, you know, keep on keeping on and, and try to get some some tricks in but getting tricks in was not so easy and mexico city didn't maybe we just checked the wrong places but it looked it looked quite intense like it looked very population heavy and like hard to skate the busy places and then crowd wise it was okay the population i guess population was more of a stress in taiwan because right. It depends. Some places were really laid back, and then some places were really hostile. Like there were a couple instances where even I got really angry at people for being so angry with us and being really insulting. And it's, yeah, it was different experience in terms of people. Uh, it's the first time in my life. I guess it's a 
important experience to have also, uh, but I've been told to go back to my country. And I guess everyone has to hear that once in their life to understand how it feels because I felt really hurt. Yeah. Um, but uh, overall, like, let's say skating wise, Taiwan was fucking perfect. Are there any team in the world or any, any group of skaters to go in any place and get this much footage done in three weeks? Because we really spent like 12 hours a day with our skates grabbing as much footage as we could and yeah because it, it, it rained and stuff as well didn't it while you were there like the weather we wasn't didn't always get this great. much rain but we got kicked out a lot so if you take and there's a couple of really frustrating instances where joe had this big white kink rail drop kink rail for instance yeah. in taiwan where we went once and he was trying to royale it which is terrifying because you're facing the drop and is that, that's so the one, went at is it that for the one, a little while is that the Sorry? one split is that the one that he split? Yeah, and, yeah. But it's right. not the day he split it. Like yeah. we went the first time, and it's the same day. Farm tried this this line with the three three rails on those 127 oh, yeah. stairs. So he battled it, couldn't get it, and then Joe went to that kink rail and tried to rail it for a while, and couldn't quite commit to it. So it was a frustrating experience. But we had a sick day of skating before, so it was okay, cool. And then the last day, we have to hit the road and go back north of the island and and joe and farm both wanted still so we went back to farm spot and spent another two hours battling that spot it's in, like just going up and down the stairs like 127 stairs every yeah, time that's, was that's, such a yeah, mission got to be so draining yeah and then it got hurt the first time it was sticky this time was super like the rails were super slippery for god knows what reason uh so first fail we met okay we we spent two hours on it. Then we went to Joe's spot. And this time he realized that soul is the one and actually is just a couple of tries of, of having it. Like he, he warmed up, understood. And we got kicked out just like, I swear it would have been a couple more tries and he would have gotten this amazing, huge kink rail, but security. And it was pretty intense burst as well. So they, they really kicked us out and chased us down out of the university. So for like this were a couple instances where we did really spend a lot of time and didn't get the clips, but otherwise on th during three weeks, I don't, I'm not sure how many clips we got together, but it's like a 10 clips a day kind of thing. Not that it's the, the numbers matter so much, but just to say how productive it was, the spots were easy to come by. Like we never really struggled to find spots in Mexico. So we're coming off this really amazing high. The video was really well received. And then we went to Mexico and then we, I mean, we had talked to a couple of people. I talked to Ivan and they were like, oh, spot should be easy. You don't really need a map or you need, you don't need to pinpoint spots really. You'll find stuff for sure. Especially with, I mean, you know, the guys that are on this tour, like we'll find stuff. Yeah. They can skate anything. So, yeah. Yeah. But we didn't find anything. There were a few days where we really got like a couple clips and that's it. And you're like, man, like we've been looking for a long while and we can't find shit. So, what do you, so what this do you went think? on for a few days and suddenly we realized, whoa, like this might turn into a mission that we didn't really had in mind. Like, it, I guess there were a couple of moments like this where like, whoa, we actually didn't get anything good today. What, what, how are we going to, how are we going to make it work if we don't even get the footage? Because yeah. now we broke and we don't have the stuff to make a video. How is that going to work? Um, and then we... I mean, we still got some stuff, but 
then we travel uh, west towards Guadalajara. I hope I pronounced that right. And then it was more easy, more laid back, more spots. And then suddenly we went back into the, the good old groove. But it took a while to get there. Right. So this was maybe one of those moments where like, whoa, is this actually going to work? Or have we just like burned all the money we didn't have on a trip that's not going to produce any video? That's hmm. is, is, is that the point where you panicked and went, damn, maybe we should have done some like research from this and like picked out a bunch of spots on Google Maps? Or I mean, like... we did. We did like a, 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 Carson and I both watched a whole bunch of videos, skateboard and BMX. We, we did talk to a few people beforehand as well. And even then, like there were some absolutely sick moments, like the the session, the night session at the skate park we organized in Mexico City, where we thought it would be like a small get together thing, or like a local shop help put it together, and then we show up and three hundred people waiting to get their t-shirt signed, and like, well, okay, I mean, okay, of course, this was a mind blowing like, moment as well. Yeah, they've got massive blading communities in like the South American mm-hmm. countries, and it's not like they're ever going to see these people again. So as soon as they find out, like, I mean. They saw Joe. <laughs> That's what I mean. Joe, like as, as soon as they find out, they're there. like, you know, we're we're going to this event. We're going to see these guys. They might not ever come here again. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, in terms of uh, mind fuckery. That's probably the biggest hustle was yeah, like to get this trip started. But then, so yeah, there was, there really was no there was no other hardships on any other videos. I find that very hard to believe. There was no other like moments where you're like, "Holy shit, I don't know if we can do this," or "This is just too hard." Or um, like... I'm I'm gonna take a second to really think hard about this, but really, not really. The first video seemed to go quite easy. The first video seemed like a very hippy dippy like trip around Europe, yeah. where you guys are just yeah. hitting. I mean, that was really the mood on the whole trip. Yeah. And then and, Greece is just, well, Greece looked pretty much effortless. I mean, Nick set you guys up in a house. Greece yeah, like it was also everywhere. way easier in terms of a lot less traveling. Yeah, I mean, of course, there were shitty moments like our van got broken into in Greece and Carson and, and uh, Joe got some of their stuff. I mean, Joe got uh, his camera stole, like they stole his bag, but then he had his money saved in a secret pocket. So he found that, but Carson and his whole thing just disappeared. No passport, no nothing. Uh, so th- yeah there were moments like this but overall the trip went the trip went really well and also like the i think the big difference uh, com- i mean the first one we just went our own way and we found stuff along the way it was also a longer trip if you include the days before roskilde in copenhagen and then roskilde itself and then the trip and then the days in berlin it was almost six week if you put it all together and then Greece were three weeks, Taiwan were three weeks and Mexico three weeks. Right. Um, Greece went by fine because Kuros was helping us with everything. He found us the, the contact to rent the vans for cheap. Like he, he set us up at the house, but he also knew the spots. He could send us some this direction. And he, he didn't. I mean, Carson had spotted this, the, the bowl on the island in Andros. So he knew we needed to go there, but then, Kuros knew the guy, of course, because he knows everyone and, and helped it happen. And then we had uh, Potsang in in uh, Taiwan, and uh, and uh, yeah, that, that worked perfect as well. Like he helped connect with everyone, find the contacts in uh, Kaohsiung. Carson knew a few guys as well. So same thing. Like once you have a local guy that's really really reliable and really understands also what you're trying to do. 
uh, it's so much easier. And then Mexico, we had locals, but not really that one guy who knows all the places. And yeah, and um, and I guess that's when Carson really realized also, oh fuck, like actually, yeah, we're missing this one guy. Like, yeah. So many, many thanks to Potsang and Kuros, and thanks to all the locals in Mexico who helped out. But uh, yeah, we did spend a lot of time looking for stuff and not really finding anything. <laughs> so. Yeah, in my mind, that that was the hardest point, like on tour, just realizing that you're trying to get stuff every day, but not getting much good stuff done. Oh, yeah, because that's when you start panicking, going, are are we going to have a video at the end of this? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was not really panic anyway. Like, again, like the laid back, the laid back uh, atmosphere you get in video is not like, it's not 3D effects and uh, and the magic of editing. The, this is really how it goes. So in the end, we're still like, okay, well, never mind. We'll get a couple cervezas and tomorrow will be easier. And maybe it's not, but you keep on going and just, it worked out in the end. And if not, you know, uh, Carson Starnes can provide you guys with enough B-roll to film an entire video. So <laughs> if, if, you ever, if you ever run out of spots or everyone gets hurt, you just get him to turn on the his natural born entertainer and he's um i guess he was on the entertaining side uh, maybe a bit more quiet on the last trip but i would say one thing about carson is he he really is a glue like i've seen it in other instances in barcelona for instance when he left barcelona for instance like the vibe the whole uh crew uh was not he was still there but he was not the same without him and out if he doesn't make it on next kind trip for sure then it's going to be really different like oh you mean yeah he is the the mvp for sure it's not so obvious when you from the outside but i swear without this guy you wouldn't get the same vibe you wouldn't get the same tricks either like he's love my boy gorgeous it's your boy um are you talking about the thc crew in barcelona when he was there yeah yeah it did feel like that pretty much all ended when um yeah after he left he was I've, I've actually been in touch with him recently and he's saying that he like the last time I spoke to him he said he hadn't skated in months yeah that, that might be true and I was probably like, the same with Slinky I'm not sure there's a lot of skating going on in Atlanta well yeah Chris Chris for a while has been you know just skates whenever it takes his fancy he's he's readily admitted in the past that it's not like it's, it's not one of his priorities anymore but i was surprised no, I, I was surprised when carson was like yeah i haven't had the skates on in months and i was like whoa like i did I did not see that coming so and it, if you look in his social media it doesn't look like he's had them on since and that was a few months no, but ago, i would I go on a camping and climbing trip with him for sure i'd love that i mean yeah i'm sure i'm sure he'd still be a lot of fun um so in all these trips like what's what's your involvement with the cayenne project like what what are your responsibilities for it or like do you do i guess you if anything? you want to put a title on it, it's co-creator co-producer uh, but essentially like taken care of again like i'm not sure to which extent and to and to what point it will be possible to do in the future i'm not sure i want to spend energy trying to fight my way through uh the project actually but uh essentially yeah taking care of logistics planning uh budgeting just, yeah just maybe. trying to arrange as much as possible yeah just make things work and then yeah. take care of media um write a book about it whatever but on the last one essentially uh it was writing a book and i'm not sure i'm 
my writing is that good that I'm worth a plane ticket. Hey, don't so, even don't even start that shit because I'm pretty sure you've beat me for like writer of the year at least twice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, but I'm not so sure it's deserved. I'll I'll take it. I'll take it as a compliment. But I've, uh, sorry, I've got a voodoo doll of you, and every time you win it and I don't, I stab it repeatedly. So it's fine. Um, so when you've you've mentioned like some of the things that were hard about it, and I imagine I'm really hoping you kept a journal of like all these trips that you went on and just noted everything down because yeah, those, mm, those I, I be- don't have everything, but I, I still have like a, a few notes on my phone with all the the stupidest quotes from the last trip. For instance, this is it wouldn't yeah, make sense yeah. to anyone else, but for me, every time I read like one of those, and it just like sparkles. Oh yeah, Richie. Oh fuck <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, Benny. Yeah, like I have these moments in my mind for sure. And I have like a few things that that help like reignite it. I mean, it's really cool that for those trips, I think that's why it's so important to have the video and the photos and the text and all together, you can get like a, a broader picture of what those trips are like in general. It's, yeah, for instance, I wasn't sure how I felt about Mexico. And then I did watch the, the video, uh, at like a, not a premiere, but like we had a small screening in Bulgaria last year when it came out. Yeah, I, I did not watch it beforehand. I made it a point to never watch it before the premiere and, um, and watch it in a room where most people didn't skate and was mostly uh, female as well. So it was really nice to get this on screen and just get it huge smile and everybody cheering and really enjoying the vibe and like it put things in uh, a lighter funner perspective again for me so i don't have a journal but memories are are there but that's what i said like that's that's like something that's very much missing from blading like those like epic because you know you get like the rock journalism and you get like the the tour like the tour books are like the stories yeah. are like i think of thinking of examples like you know like just incredible autobiographies about you know iconic rock bands and that's something that you could have easily done with even just one of those trips but now you've Mm -hmm. been on four of them you could easily create a book that is just a true reflection of everything that you didn't see in the video like i don't know the arguments or the missions or the funny things that weren't captured on video by carson and benny I think this these trip work too well. It needs more rock and roll and and <laughs> insanity. And actually, at this point, we're just really good friends that all like really enjoy going on a trip together. So it's not like fitting the bill so much. But I did have this image like a few times, not necessarily on the current trip, but like this uh, almost famous movie. You know, like this uh, mm-hmm. young idealistic uh, teenager that goes on tour with his favorite rock band and then gets to see the other side um i mean like i did imagine myself being in that position a few times but i i've never maybe you have to wait for the the winter clash 20 20 years anniversary book that's maybe something if you have good stories we should talk I'll, I'll just get you drunk next time i see you and then i'll ask you the same questions again and i'll get more honest answers Ah, you got honest answers. Like, <laughs> no, no, for sure. Like arguments, not. I mean, not with this crew. That's a crazy thing. There's obviously 
there's moments where people are down or whatever, but there's no personal argument so much. There's a lot of shit talking, that's for sure. Yeah, but that's I, I guess that's the way everyone has to vent, and everyone's really good at it. So, for instance, Richie, Richie suffered the whole trip last time because he was not getting a lot of skating done, and, and oh yeah, because he was uh, yeah, sick. Everybody reminded him daily yeah. that it was maybe time for him to retire. So that that <laughs> those conversations were really really entertaining. I mean, he's only brought out one promo since, so maybe he took you guys seriously and said, you know. <laughs> mm, I think I think he will be turning 40 this summer, and I have the feeling that he might be trying to get 40 clips for that anniversary. Yeah, it looks maybe. like he's, yeah, I've seen some recent posts suggesting he's, he's skating a little bit more at the moment. So you, you kind of mentioned it, but are there any specific memories of like, highlights that you look back on and you're like god that was an incredible memory or you know that one night really stands out or you know for cayenne you mean just in any of the any of the four trips that you went whether it was europe greece taiwan or mexico like um and or anything that you were like god that was a really special moment like i'm really i'm really glad i got to experience that um joe in greece i think is the first thing that comes to mind. Like, uh, okay, let's try and pick a moment for every tour. But first that comes to mind is Joe in Greece. That right. was insane. Like there's, and I can't even say one trick specifically, but there, those moments happen several times throughout the trip. Uh, the soul grind he does on this, uh, on the library, it's the, the national the library ledge, of Greece. Yeah. Like, this was in terms of intensity, this was one of the craziest thing I've ever seen on skates. Because the trick is crazy, but then the atmosphere, like it's this big avenue, it's almost empty. We set up, it's just six of us, Carson and Benny are filming. Car- Carson is filming long lens. Uh, Benny is up there with uh, with Joe taking the run up. Uh, David and I are just like sitting a bit further. Dominic is taking the picture and Joe is skating. That's it. Then this crazy alarm goes off and you got the voice in the microphone. You can kind of hear it in the video, like yeah. screaming it's really fucking loud. The street is almost empty, but everyone that passes by knows like something is cr- happening there. Yeah. And it's threatening to call the police. So everyone, we dip, we go a couple blocks up, hide on the street. Then they go back to film. But David and I, we stay up there. I think th- this happens a second time. But by the time I think Dominic, Dominic and Carson only stayed. Benny already had the, the angle from the top. So, then it's the three of us waiting two blocks away and we hear the siren go on again. And then the three guys like Carson, Carson, Dominic and Joe come in running up the street. Like we got it. We got it. <laughs> biggest heist. And we just, we just, ah, man, this, this moment was insanely epic. Like the bridge is skated into that big man into the craziest, busiest road. This was insane. We went back twice. I was responsible for car spotting, I guess the first time I was counting like, I spent a lot of time watching just to calculate like how many seconds we have between each big rush of cars because it's an insanely busy street down there. And then it took a while for Joe to get onto the rail. And then when he's about to do it, the cop showed up because we're obviously blocking the street because at some point he's going and we have to stop the cars. And the cops are like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And a local friend, Yakumea, also gets in an argument with them, almost gets arrested. Like, I don't know, crazy situation. It's already like high intensity. That's two in the morning, maybe. And then one of the last night of the trip, Joe is, and half the crew is already sleeping. Joe's like, I think 
I want to go back, you know, like, I think I got this. Like, okay, like wake Benny up or whoever, like, I think Dominic was sleeping. So wake Dominic so I can get the picture, go back like a smaller crew and same thing, like spotting the cars, but it was working better. We had more time and he worked out and then he started sessioning this thing. Man, like, okay, these were insane moments. Like you pro can probably tell my face. I still have the rush yeah. from these moments because we're still racing against the car. We don't want to get busted by the police again. And at the same time, this is one of the most epic tricks I've seen real in real life. And I've seen some shit, but this yeah. was a Just moment. Loads, loads going on. You're like, are we going to get arrested? Is he going to get really badly hurt? Are, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, uh, there's uh, so many factors, like the trick in itself, but then everything that surrounds it, the intensity was really, really fucking high. So these moments stand out for sure. Like skating wise, probably like one of the craziest moments. Um, in general, like if I say Cayenne, just like overall the mood, like the whole time we're in Oslo, it's just like this really nice summer trip with friends. I can't pinpoint one moment, but overall, like the, the whole vibe of getting together and get, we all charge up with this energy from our skiller, but we're not in party mode, we're in skating mode and suddenly translate into 10 amazing tricks every day. Like, yeah, this was, this was just overall like an amazing experience. And then Taiwan, fuck, I can't pinpoint moments, but overall, yeah, there were always high points like this. Mexico also, it, it was, overall, there's been an incredible experience. So I'll just conclude on the Cayenne chapter saying, I hope there's a next one. I'm not sure I will be involved, but I hope there is one. Just take into account the reality of this new world, the reality uh, of the fact that Richie's turning 40, um, Joe and Farm are probably the last official pros on the trip. I mean, David is still on the them team and skating a lot. So I guess this counts. But then you said it like Carson is not skating. Slinky is not skating. I guess Josh is skating, but probably spending more time teaching, you know, like it's yeah. the whole crew has evolved and everyone's grown up and now there's babies involved and families and real job and real life responsibilities. So I think it would be the time to shift the Cayenne thing into something else. So at least try and tell a different story. And I hope that's what's going to happen okay. in the next one. So, how did you go from being involved in the KM project to then working with Nils on, is it Mind Your Step? Was that his VOD? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I always get his country, like I'm the worst when it comes to countries. So that was This was Thailand. Thailand. This yes. was the other right. one. It's the other one. Just remember, it's the other one. Anyone from either of these countries is going to hate me. Warapodj, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Warapodj. It's, it's all good. Fault. I don't think it minds. Um, I'm from a tiny island as well, if it makes you feel any better. Um, <laughs> that that no one knows. No one knows where Scotland is, so it's fine. Um, so yeah, how did how did you get involved in that? And what what was your like what was your role in that that video? Um same thing came up with the idea, but it's really Caspar's and Neil's idea. Like we all like we all exchanged and brainstormed and came up with at least a shared idea at first. Then I guess throughout the tour as it was, act uh, the trip as it was happening, it evolved a little bit. And then working on it afterward, the post-production uh, part was when I think those ideas really kind of split different directions. And Caspar and I, especially, I guess were on different, had a different outcome uh, in mind. 
and that's when I, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'll leave, I mean, you take it and you run with it. But uh, it's all good. Like, I, I, I went out to Latvia for the premiere. It was great to watch it in a movie, like a classic old theater in the center of the city with all the VIPs you can imagine in Latvia. It was really nice. Um, so my involvement was uh, surviving the trip. We all got hurt on the trip. Casper uh, split his shin open. Niels got hurt, as you see in the in the small doco, and I split my knee open. So we all like ended up like really banged up and uh, really exhausted. Because compared to Cayenne, where it's unfortunate, but if someone gets hurt, there will be someone yeah. to take over. Yeah. But yeah. when Niels get hurt, yeah, because he's he's the only skater. He's the in the only video. one. Didn't, you know? I, I'm trying to remember what happened to Niels. He didn't. He, he, he got hit by a car. No, 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 no. Didn't he get, wasn't that the one where he, he, almost, he almost he almost smashed into a car, car but what, that was like else, a happy accident. Nothing what else happened, happened there. to him? Um, he was trying to transfer from on a bridge, from a flat ledge on the bridge into a down ledge that was going into the, the, the pedestrian yep. uh, crosswalk, I think. But uh, I'm not sure the fall is actually either in the video or in the B-roll um i do remember so, this now i remember nils telling me about this when i interviewed him for it yeah right, yeah okay Rings so he 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 hurt his ankle bruised the heel as well and he he powered through it but he had to take a few days off for sure like fasted for a couple of days uh i think the very same day he called his physio in 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 latvia to get some advice on how to tape it properly what kind of exercise to rehab as quick as possible so this was, uh, yeah, this was a moment. But then, yeah, that's when you see how you, yeah, you how you bounce back. So Niels as an athlete bounce back in the most professional way possible because he's Niels. And then Kaspars was also filming with uh, with Warpoise. So they went on missions in the city, got some scenery and city shots that were useful for the script that uh, Kaspars had uh, developed. So everyone, like, we still work during that time, but he was not so much skating for a few days and then went back on it. Um, and I did film, like, all the B-roll footage. Uh, there's 20 minutes of it on on YouTube. You can find that on Neil's channel. It's yeah. good. You can hear me singing. I, I remember. So if you said that you and Casper's had, like, different ideas about how you wanted the video to turn out, how did you want the video to turn out? Hmm. I don't know. Then it's small details, and when you're in the the thick of it, those details are are huge. Like in the end, it still resembles what we had talked about. But then when it comes into the practice of doing things, and I guess Caspar had a really really firm idea of how he wanted things to work, and was not so flexible on a lot of things that I think should be flexible because we're not a big Hollywood production, and we need to be able to. I don't know. It's just like different ways of being and working as well. So it was a learning experience. I guess at some point it just got a bit intense and I was like, hey, like Kaspar is, is a great friend of mine and I, I, I want to have him as a friend. It's more important than have him as a colleague and not a friend, you know. So if I have to choose, I'd rather have him as a friend. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be having pizza soon. Hopefully next uh, next few weeks I'll be, I'll be having pizza at his place. You did a very good job of not answering that question at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe that's the, the French politics coming out. Yeah. Uh, just different, man. Like, what can I say? Okay. Um, one thing I, I will note is that 
for a video that was, you know, a, a rollerblading video that was meant to have a, a, an environmental message, mm-hmm. it's kind of contradictory to have a rollerblading video with an environmental message when several you guys have. flew across the world and used, you know, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of environment, a lot of our natural resources. Yeah, we, f- we blew up some fields. gasoline for sure. Yeah. I mean, Kaspars and I were both in China before for fees, and we trekked our way down to Thailand. So at least our own carbon footprint was a lot smaller because we, we did take trains and a boat through Laos for two days. We, we actually uh, sailed our way to Thailand. Uh, Niels had to take a plane, of course, but... Does does Casper's film at knees at fees? Is that is that one? No, of his, I mean for that he year, just... he was a no. He was a photo photo reporter. Ah, right. And okay. I was uh, doing the the live commentary, so we we both got on the on the plane from from fees money and then made it work. At first, we I guess that's also why it took a different shape in the end. At first, we, we tried to sell the project to fees as a way to promote the event and get Niels to come over to China and film the process of him coming over and then traveling to China, like have something yeah. that would bring a bit more street credibility to the event, I guess. And that been, that, uh, surprisingly, they did. That would have been a good idea. I'm surprised they didn't go for that. They actually approved it, but too oh. late. Ah, right. Okay. And uh, because of the delay to get the visas and everything, we, we because we didn't want to push too much, but then we still had to push. And then at some point, Kasper's like, hey, because for him, the process of getting the visa coming from Latvia was also way more complicated. Uh, we're like, okay, like we need an answer within the next five days or something. Otherwise, we need to develop a plan B. Mm-hmm. And then five days, no answer. We start developing the thing that like, okay, we, we go for this. And then a few days after that, the fees came back saying yes. I mean, we still still would have had to argue, like discuss the budget and everything. They wanted to make it much lower budget than what we had in mind, which was not a lot, but they still said yes. But I guess it's such a big company that so many people have their word to say, like whoever is in charge of the advertising, whoever is in charge of communication, whoever is in charge of um, the YouTube channel. I don't know. Like it, it took so many people like, Think, yeah, I think so. Well, maybe not. Blah, 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 blah. Like by the time they actually come up with a collective answer, it takes too long. Or it took too long for this one. Was there no way to sell them the finished product after the fact? Or would they not have been I mean, there was no yet? fees in it in the end because it was all Thailand and no event. Because the whole idea was like, okay, Niels will come to fees and then we'll have a tour through yeah, China yeah, so we can sell. Like, yeah. It's good for the Chinese partners as well because you get to promote the country. I don't know. We're trying to find like a nice balance of not yeah. selling out, but still sell them something, <laughs> some yeah. sort of product. I was just thinking maybe that they could find a way to kind of like tie it in by, you know, presenting it as like, you know, a fees funded film and then show it at events or whatever. Or yeah. Yeah. Oh, we, we might try and do something with Nils in the near future that will be showcased on the fees channels. We still have to, to finalize this, but it's kind of an idea that's floating around. Okay. Um, and but that's also why, like, from this original idea, it went into something entirely different. And then the yeah. way we want to tell the story is not necessarily the same. Obviously, Kaspar is the main videographer, so we'll have... And he, he wrote, like, he scripted everything. And I guess that's probably where I was saying, like, I would want to be more flexible because it's a trip and not everything is going to go according to script. And obviously, Niels got hurt. And then we don't have enough time in this one place to kind of fit the image that 
Caspas wanted for the movie and so on. Like, so it led to to not really agreeing on what it should look like or how the story, the narration should be and so on. Yeah. Um, speaking of fees, are mm-hmm. fees events have started up again? Are you still yeah. are you still judging for them or is that not like no, a regular I thing? No, I haven't judged in some years, uh, but I have started. I was reporting. I was out of it. Like at some point, I guess we made we made a couple of books as well with Dominic because at one point, so that's also why we got so much coverage from so many different events, including fees. Uh, Yo-Yo for fees would be an MC on the course. Dominic was competing, and back then, when you get top five at one of the world tour stops, you get flown yeah, to the next one. So Dominic yeah, yeah. managed to get to quite a few stops like this. And I was a judge, so we would get tickets for work or skating for Dominic, but then we would do all the media coverage as well for BMAC. And then we produced um, two books with Dom that look like this. This is yep. the first one, and it's like a collection of pictures from the first year, and a really, uh, maybe you'd like a really ironic text as well. And this is the second one. This one is color. Uh, we actually got commissioned to do it. But then the budget shrunk and shrunk and shrunk, and then we struggled to even get the the, the expenses of the printing expenses back. As is, <laughs> as is always the least, case, I, I know that story very well. Yes. Yeah. And then I guess some of the like the text even more explicitly ironic, um, because it like the whole point. Maybe it goes back to what you were saying about those rock and roll stories and those uh, tour reporters that cover like the what's behind the curtain like the second one is actually called rideau which means curtain and that was the whole point of trying to show what's happening in the in the backs and yeah behind the course what's the the inner workings of such an event and what's good about it and what's kind of shitty and commercial but what's really good about it and um and those, yeah we did that the, the fees were happy for you to make something that looks into the negative aspects of the event i'm not sure everyone liked it in the end we got some, <laughs> some people who are a little pissed off but it was also rido is another way it has triple meaning that's why i picked the title but the first one is um yeah what's behind the curtain also that's a, a nickname for when you black out from partying and uh, Julien Cudo especially was nicknamed Julien Rideau for a while. So that made sense. And also Rideau is an expression in theater when you just like close the curtain and like that's a way of saying goodbye, like the end. And for Dominic and I, I guess it was a way of saying, okay, like, bye, we're done. We're done with this shit. Uh, and then Yo-Yo was out. Dominic hasn't been to a fees event since, but then a couple of years later, somehow Josip was, so I'm totally out of BMAG. I'm still contributing every now and then, but I'm out of the decision-making or anything. Mm-hmm. And then Yosip asked me if I want to go to Saudi Arabia. Like, wh- wh- I mean, what do you mean? How, I know BMAG has no budget to buy a single plane ticket. Like, and it comes up, the, it comes out that fees actually for this year, it happened for the previous years in BMX, they had a budget to fly one specialized media for bmx to every event so they would get coverage in the press um on-site coverage from from a few dedicated media and that year since blading was also world cup they decided to put the same budget to fly a reporter from blading 
So like, okay, sure, uh, I'll do that. I mean, so still a free job, but a free plane ticket. And one thing I've learned in my life is I can never say no to a free plane ticket. I've I've I noticed that. <laughs> Sorry for the carbon footprint. I apologize. I do ride the bus a lot, but that wasn't an option for Saudi. So I flew to Saudi Arabia, and then my friend Johan, who's the the sports uh, manager at Fees, and his friend, like I mentioned, I was a student in Tour, and uh, Johan was a student there. That's when we met, like 15 years, 16, 17 years ago. And he just happened to become involved with Fees and then is working there like full time for a long, long time now. Um, but he's like, okay, so you're doing this for BMAG, which is cool, but you're not making any money. Let me see if I can get you on the, um, on the um, live stream uh, team. And I'd wanted to do this in the past, but the option had gone and, and I, I mean, I couldn't get the job at the time. So I was like, okay, well, if I can do it now, why not? And then get a little money. And for him, that's one less plane ticket to pay for someone else to do the job. So that's a win-win situation, of course. Uh, that's always the case with fees, but that that happened and it was nice. I did it with my partner in crime, Ryan, uh, who is is the main host for every single show, and then yeah. he gets a, a specialist to come and help him uh, on every single sport, and he's really used to the job. So he's like, oh, don't worry, don't stress out. You know, it's like you're speaking to five people anyway. No one's actually watching us. So it was really relaxed and we hadn't seen each other for a couple of years. So it's like a friendly conversation where we watch some rollerblading and talk a little bit about the skating, but mostly, oh, you're in Berlin now. That's sick. Like I was Dominic. And, and then I went back to the hotel that night and realized 55,000 people had watched the show. And I was like, oh, damn. Okay. Like, we're joking about it on air. Like to all five of you watching this, blah, blah, blah. This is what's happening. And then I came back and it's not five, it's 55,000. Um, so, okay, well, this is interesting. And this is the most schizophrenic kind of job you can ever have. I guess this is the, the job that everyone thinks they know how they would do it and how they would be so good at it. And honestly, once you're on the spot, yeah, you get it's different. You get tongue tied. Then- the, the words just don't come into your head. Like you try and th- you try and remember like details about that rider and they just, I mean, the, they just the don't come is to the you. Words come, <laughs> but they come in your head and then on your right here you got the voice of your co-host and on the other here you got the voice of production and you have to remember what your words are because you got yeah. words coming from both sides and then you're trying to focus on what's happening at the same time it's really easy to get lost in there but uh and it's a job you can't really train for like the only way to do it is to do it so we did this one and then the opportunity arose to do it on the next tour same like i was doing the bmag reporting and then got the job as the the commentator and then on the trip i guess there were four stops that year and so on the third one because i was going to be in montpellier anyway i told them listen i'll make my own way to montpellier just get me the hotel room or whatever and the the job as the commentator but the the plane ticket for the journalist you give to my friend caspas and Caspas flew over to Montpellier and we did the coverage together, which was much nicer. And we, we, we killed it. We produced, we really killed it because at the time we also started like really tracking what other media was doing, like what they were doing in BMX and how many views they were getting. And, and I guess then there was China and then I was getting the job as a commentator, commentator and Caspas as a journalist. So we both joined there. And that was our way to go to Thailand for cheap and make the Mind Your Step project happen for cheap 
because then we're just traveling on our own money to make it to Thailand. And the return trips were like from wherever in Asia that we're flying back from were uh, on fees money as well. So that's how Mind Your Step happened. And that's how I started commentating fees as well. So what made you decide to stop like doing like doing work with the fees events then? Uh, I'm, I'm still like they just stopped working entirely. For no, the but past you said year. you said you stopped doing them like several years ago. Like you stopped, like I mean, there was there was because I was a head judge at the time, and I wanted to retire from the position for at least two years before that, and uh, they just couldn't get new people in, I guess. Or it was also judging fees is um, it's heavy. There's a lot of money involved. And there's a lot of ego involved from most of the competitors. I mean, obviously, you're on a really big stage, and uh, and there's lots of French people. Just gonna put it that way, uh, or dickheads, like my friend Yo-Yo would say. And then he would turn to me and say, "Oh, oh, I'm sorry." Um, but yeah, I wanted to. I was. I mean, how long can you judge an event? And you know, like, it's it's not a job you're gonna like at one point. Okay, you've know how to do it you're not going to progress or find more innovative way or you're not going to progress your craft like at some point you master the craft okay let's i guess i need to change and try different stuff i guess that's the story of my life i was about to say um, you, you say that but then it sounds like it feeds into your like your personality and your tendencies well because you don't ever stay in one place for too long you like to float around you like to live in different places experience new things i would have thought judging the fees and getting plane tickets and being able to take advantage of just being dropped off in various parts of the it, globe would it was nice your... and i did it for a long time so i'm not i'm not complaining and i have nothing you know like I have nothing wrong to say about them either. It was just like, okay, I'm done with this. I think I want something else. I don't really, it still happened a couple of times in 2019, which is kind of the last normal year of work. But I judged, I helped judge an event in Croatia because one of the judges didn't show and I just wanted to help out. But that wasn't really the plan, but it just happened. And then Sven um, got me to judge the Urban Sports Week in uh, Amsterdam. All right. And I mean, the, the park event was just like a classic park event with the best three contest every day. It was fun, but it's like same old. But then they had this box battle. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that. Kevin made a video. Yeah, yeah, I've, seen, I've seen the, the edits. It's like a normal yeah. skate box with a couple of rays in the back and two quarter pipes. And it was like a small stage. It, w- it was a bit out of the main event site. So not there was a crowd, but it could have been, if you put it in the middle, it would have been super packed. It's so easy for people to understand. You don't have to know the sport. You just pick your, it's always a head to head battle. So it's so easy to pick your favorite, depending on the style, whatever they're like, Oh, this one looks better than the other. That's it. So it's really easy for people to get involved. If the MC is good and AJ was killing it. I don't know. It was just such a good vibe. And as a judge, you only, we had a ping pong racket and you just have to pick the color. Is it red or is it blue? And just pick your rider and that's it. And I got really, really happy and drunk doing this and dancing around between the heats. And it was, yeah, this uh, reconciled me with the act of judging. So I hope this happens again. I, I would love to do it again. Fair enough. But, so what what have you been doing for the past year or so since like, since coronavirus, you know, entered uh, our lives? Because have, have you been able to do any kind of work? What I, I, I did fortunately get translation work coming in last year. 
uh, almost as normal. And that's my my most steady source of income. It's right. not a lot, but it's several times throughout the year and I get a decent paycheck for not so many days of work. So, so just, that's, just translating from like French to English or English to yeah, French? Both, I mean, both ways. Both ways and I, yeah. I got a couple um, a couple um, jobs writing as well. So that happens like, but that's usually, yeah, a couple times a year, I'll get like a, a small contract for a written piece, but that's, it was not so much money, but since I was traveling so little, I did spend a lot of time in this house, actually. Uh, um, I mean, the year... Were you still were you still living in was it Belgium last year? No, I mean that's that's the thing. Let me rewind a little bit. Like in 2018, I decided to quit my my squat in Brussels uh, to leave that place. I mean, Remy and his girl were moving out also because they were going to be parents, and it was I guess it was the right time to do so. But I was already out of the house, traveling so much that I was not also bringing a lot to the place. So it was for the best. Just decide, okay. I'm traveling so much. I'm just going to try and do it without a place. And I was, I took that decision and I was already a thousand kilometers from there anyway. So I just went back a few weeks later, packed my stuff, put it somewhere. And then a couple of months after just drove the car and picked it up. Okay. Uh, so end of 2018, I was traveling as was planned. And I, yeah, I had 2019 was my first year fully without a home. So that was my first real test as a home free, uh, <laughs> Uh, veteran if you will and through so the, all those gigs i have it's not a lot of money but since i don't have the expense of the home at the end of the year i was i recently tried to remember i was walking out and just trying to remember okay how did the, the year start and where did i end up and how many places i've been to and i've probably been in 25 different countries involved with i don't know how many events skated a lot and made just enough i was actually a lot more comfortable without the place and and making a decent amount through my work so it was like whoa okay the test is positive like 2019 fuck yeah best year 2020 started i decided to compete that was my my challenge for 2020 i was like okay every contest i go to I, that's one thing i've never done for instance i never competed like a couple small events maybe here and there but that was never my thing and i was like okay well you know what i'm gonna try that like new challenge for myself and I did Winter Clash, which was a big challenge. Before that, I spent some time skating in Latvia with Nils. So not training, but actually getting like a lot of power from skating big park with him. We're not both, both of us are not really used to that. So it was okay, new experience, big transition, go to Winter Clash. Well, and then we're going to Sicily for the Roches trip, like sick, like everything is too good. And then yeah, COVID happened and it was, whoa, okay. Uh, I didn't I didn't know you were so you were on the trip where the Roses team filmed Mizica. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. So yeah. this is, you know, that's what I'm you talking about. You're it, always but, uh, in the background. I'm always there. Because I know you've been on all the Cayenne trips, but you've only got like one clip in um in Formosa, right? There are three actually in the video, but you've there's got, one actual the clip su- that I sunny filmed. Day around, around, you've got the sunny day yeah. around the curved ledge. You don't have any skating clips in the other videos, do you? No, I don't. Then, maybe a couple of hidden ones, but that are pretty much shit. So let's not you, count. You've them. not got any. You've not got any clips in Mizica. Not Mizica. No, no. I mean, so you're just. I'm, you're I'm, just, I'm you're not just skating roaches. Yeah, but let me just put it that way. But I don't think I just, put my skates on the whole trip. I was just eating and filming. So. <laughs> oh right. Okay. So you were helping out like behind the lens. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what I usually do. So that's right. why also this process of filming with Kevin is also like a new experiment. Let's just reverse the process and, and put myself out there. So were you responsible for the dad cam footage in Mezica? Is that Was that you? No, actually, like my footage is still sitting on this computer. It took me so long to <laughs> just get it out of the camera. Right. Uh, it, okay, this makes no sense. Like I was just, the tickets were so cheap. I think it was 15 euros, 17 euros to fly me to Sicily from Eindhoven and then like something similar to fly me back to France. It was a really cheap nice. investment. And so we agreed that we just come as an observator, observer, is observer? It, that's yeah. the word. Yeah. And, um, and just before that, Dominic had told me a few times that, Hey, you know, I did film, I did film on Formosa with the daddy cam and I did film all the B-roll on uh, and a few of the clips were actually in the video for my new step, but I never had my own camera and not for a long time. I did film a lot in California when I was there, but then I've always had like bad experiences with filming because for instance, California, I came back with a dozen tapes that had filmed there. And then the, the, the camera, the, the XL2 I was using at the time that was lent to me by razors actually just ended up eating all the fucking tapes. So all the footage is ruined. And I like the full profile of him was my friend, Casey McFarlane, for instance, it was just the two of us. Crazy in, missions. We we did make it happen. I had enough for a small section, and then all the tapes got destroyed. So I it was, was really Arizona, like Arizona Casey McFarland, as in yeah, that men, guy, my men, friend Casey, Corner. psychopath Casey McFarland. Oh my he's god, not a psychopath. It's he a, is his, mellow his, psychopath. He, he is not mellow when he puts on skates. When he puts he on sick, skates, like yeah, I had best times with him. He is, you know, like taunting mortality when he puts on skates. <laughs> he is scary. Okay, that footage, that's devastating that that footage is gone. Yeah, because... I mean, I had a couple of experiences like this. Like there was a couple of times in my life, okay, like I'm going to try and, and put more time into filming and then everything is ruined for one reason or another. And so I always push it back. And then I had lots of fun in Formosa, especially like, so Dominic already mentioned it to me. Hey, you know, I have an old VX sitting at home. Um, you could have it. And then we'll, if you like it, we'll arrange something with the payment. And I'm like, okay, maybe. And then Mexico, I was supposed to be filming same thing, like third. I mean, there are already two camera guys. So I just have, I'm really happy in the, like the position of being like one step behind and just trying to grab more stuff and just what's happening behind the scenes as well. And, uh, and then Carson didn't get the camera I was supposed to bring for me on time. So he didn't fly in with a camera for me. I was like, Oh, I just don't have one. Like, fuck, like, you know, that in my head, like the next three weeks, I I have 10 hours in my day where I'm going to hold the camera and suddenly you, you don't. So it's like, oh, really frustrating process. And Dominic told me again, like, you know, I have this VX at home. Uh, I'm not sure if it works, but if you want it, you can have it. And I was like, okay, deal. And at Winter Clash, he gave it to me. And the next day, I would, or yeah, like just after Winter Clash, we are flying straight to to Sicily. So I just tried to not fuck up the footage too much because I had never used the camera before. But from what's on my computer, it looks okay. Now I just have to cut it, which is an insanely long process because I have like eight hours of footage that are captured in like, yeah, yeah, in like, yeah, yeah. it's like a 12 minutes long to one hour long pieces of, of video that I have to right. cut in separate clips. It's, yeah. Obviously, last year would have been the best to do it, but I yeah, had no yeah. motivation whatsoever. Yeah. It's not like it's not like you didn't have the free time. Yeah, um, yeah, it was like the worst 
part. I think a lot of people experience that having a lot of time and feeling absolutely unmotivated. I mean, at first I was making plans. Okay, like I'm gonna try this, and then boom, reality kicks in. Like, no, you're gonna be locked down for another three weeks. I mean, okay, let's make another plan. No, actually, lockdown is pushed back another three weeks. Like, okay, at some point, I just realized I'm not making plans anymore because every time it hurts me a little bit and puts me down. So. I'm just going to take every day as it comes. And then it becomes really hard putting yourself in this position of I'm going to spend like the next three weeks capturing this footage and logging all the footage in. Um, so I read a lot to listen to a lot. Of, I think that was the original question before I started yeah. digressing so much. But uh, uh, yeah, after Misika, lockdown, spent some time here and lockdown ended sometime early june so i fucked right off and then second half of the year i could still travel and i went to visit all, like i made it more local took buses to paris to lille to brussels to amsterdam already spent some time there for the premiere of plastic pushers so that's when the idea to get a couple of clips for this one uh happened for kevin's birthday um and then went to hamburg to uh, to hang out with karsten went together we went to copenhagen for 10 days came back to hamburg went to berlin spent three weeks in katowice with the homies from head on skate which was great and then flew to bulgaria so I still had like a half normal year for me but it mm -hmm. was um uh, still really different then i ended up uh and just okay that's a nice example as to how you can make it work with very little money because i still make very little money all throughout the year but i don't have this fixed income like the only thing i pay every month is my uh my uh, social security insurance and my 10 euros phone. to spotify oh. and that's the only fixed I was about to say, expenses not your, not your phone bill surely you've got a phone bill i don't i just use credit credit like but oh, right now okay. i don't have credit on the phone for instance i can't call you you can call me but <laughs> only yeah, only if do, i know i'm going to be needed in a budget, time, okay. get credit on. so no no fixed expense besides those two so 50 euros a month i need to shell out and that's it um so i was in bulgaria that's where i ended up the trip and stayed i was supposed to go to greece afterwards but that's when conditions started getting a bit rougher it was harder to cross the border so i just stayed longer it was really nice spending time with my friend avi and mina uh my girl there <laughs> at least for the time being, Anna, and uh, started climbing. I don't know, like it was still really more free than most places in Europe at the time. I could still walk, with, I could still go to the climbing room. I started climbing there because I had gigantic wall. Um, so it was nice. And then I started thinking, okay, I need to go back. December is going to be Christmas time. Uh, there were family things I really needed to attend as well. Um, and so my example, Flying to Paris would be 200 euros, but I can get a flight from Sofia to, um, it was uh, Barcelona for 15. Okay, so the money and from Barcelona, I could get on the bus for free from Flixbus that would get me 30 kilometers from here. So, that, okay, 15 euros, I can why spend. Is, why, is, why is the bus from Barcelona into France free? Uh, I bought um, some, uh, long story, Flixbus last year because they were, Need, they needed cash money. They offered the, um, their customers the opportunity to buy tickets for 14 euros that would give you a coupon code you can use for any direct uh, oh, right. trip so just in the like, future. Like so I already paid those tickets, last year. Basically. I bought some. 
Mm, sorry? Basically like a blank ticket. You could just use it yeah. to go to any of their destinations, right? As long as it's a direct trip. And I yeah. realized I had no clue that there's a direct bus going from Barcelona to a town near here. It's nine or 10 hours on the bus, but it would be free. So I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. cool. So I, with the rest of the money, I would just get Airbnb for a week. It's super cheap because it's COVID time and not a lot of tourists. So yeah, I would spend a hundred euros and get one week in Barcelona, all expenses paid for 100 euros. And, I just, and I, so by not going directly to Paris and from there, I would still have to get a couple of trains to get back to my mom's place. Uh, by not going the direct route, I'm saving money and I'm getting to spend one week in Barcelona. And yeah, so that's get, usually get how I organize my, I have the time. So I just organize my, my way around in, um, in little kinky, kinky detours that actually save me money and get me more places and you get to just keep the the fred white never-ending adventure going exactly a but little bit longer. it did end when i had to take a pcr test to go to uh to go to barcelona and then it came back negative uh, it came back positive right and uh so it became really serious um and we got like a couple governmental organization calling in the morning like hey you got tested positive yesterday blah 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 you got to you got to uh, self-quarantine for 14 days and all contact cases had to so my girl my two friends uh my Felia, my my friends have his uh sister all the people i'd been in touch with had to quarantine for 10 days so i felt super bad for them and i felt quite shitty that i could not get on the plane and then we tested again then so the next morning they got tested negative so i was like okay i could probably sneak my way through the airport but is it really the reasonable thing to do and Barcelona has suffered quite a lot from all the covid stuff i was like okay i'm gonna I'm gonna try for once to be an adult and i locked myself up for 14 days in an apartment in sofia bulgaria you did you have any like symptoms or were you unwell or did you no no i had nothing nothing at all yeah. Um, so what does what does the future hold then? What are your do you do you have any plans for either for this year or for like further ahead? Because you've been living, you've been living the the nomadic lifestyle for years now. Like most most people, like either get tired of it or decide that they're like, oh no, like I, I do what I do the whole like settle down get a job thing. But you don't you don't seem like you you want to settle down. You seem like you're happy for it to keep going. I mean, for now, I'm really good. Like, again, if this situation was to carry on for a couple of years where like traveling, especially gets a lot more complicated, then I, I would reconsider for sure. Like I've thought about it briefly. I've been offered a couple of jobs uh, in the last few months where like, ah, I mean, I don't want to commit to like a, a long or like medium term uh, job right now. But if this keeps on going for a while, then maybe that's the best, like, settle down one place for um, a year two years save up a lot of money and then get free to move again i love <laughs> but, how that's, um, i love how that's like the, you're not like you're not like settle down you're like settle down for a year just save enough money so i mean you can disappear both, again <laughs> both, no but both offers were in uh, montreal canada and i'm not sure uh, i mean i would love to spend some time there that was a big plan of last year already and it's a plan for this year but i'm not sure it's i mean right now Canada is still entirely locked down for strangers unless you have like a real reason to go there. Mm. So I, but I have lots of friends in Montreal and they, I think they really want me to move down 
to yeah, to the you place. Can, you can go and hang out with your your best friend, Nicky Adams. Oh, I met him last two years ago, actually. He played God. <laughs> my God. Oh my is, God. Is super like it's so funny, uh, the contrast between like the persona online or whatever, like what was in the videos and how quiet he is in real life. So he's actually been good company when I was there. I'll I'll take your word for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but, so do you have do you have any like projects or anything that you've got planned for the future or anything you can tell me about that? So not settling down is the project. Uh, I have a couple of things here, and then within the next couple of weeks I'll start moving again. I want to attend this event. My friend Avi is doing in Bulgaria, uh, beginning of July. Uh, if anyone wants to check out X Challenge Park in Bulgaria, it's a fucking sick place. He invested in a camping next to the Black Sea. They've got uh, stuff in the trees for kids. I'm not sure what's the English term for it. They got a sick as co-working space to just develop now. Uh, they have a dirt track for bikes and they do have a concrete bowl right in there in the middle of the place. And it's five minutes from the sea. And then they also have a bar and a surf, uh, surf school right there on the beach. Okay. Uh, if you have kids that want to enjoy vacation, uh, it's a nice uh, suggestion yeah, for me can think of um, worst, worst places to go yeah yeah and uh so i would go there come back spend some time in brussels and then go film a couple more weeks with kevin and uh hopefully yeah uh until the premiere of plastic pushers which is happening first few days of uh august and then from there i don't know i need to go to latvia it's been a long time uh and push back a lot of i don't know uh july and august are traveling i just need to be in france end of august and then yeah projects there's stuff brewing in my head for sure and i guess last year was good for this having a lot of time to think about long-term projects kind of and i'm not going to spoil anything because right now it's just brain farts of mine uh that might not lead to anything but let's say that actually putting myself on the other side of the camera for plastic pusher was kind of the first step that was a necessary step in that in that development so that is successful so far i would say so let's see that, that would include like uh, living in a, some places for a longer period of time to make those plans happen so maybe in the future i will settle down shortly six months to a year in a few different places at a time and make projects out of that you mean that's a, the future for your... me but maybe after your full length plastic pusher section comes out and nah. all, the, all the sponsors come knocking and, and one offer. No, I don't, I don't think this is happening. <laughs> I, I don't think a section is happening, but I don't know. I started hey, if you've already get searching like, for music just in case. If you've already got like 10, 15 clips and you go for another week, you could, you know, you could stack, you could stack the same again. Let's see how the stacking goes. Yeah. No, yeah. First and most immediate project is try to get as much good footage in so i can also get rid of whatever is not good enough and i'd rather have just 10 clips in the video that are really good than 30 average clips but i like what we've done so far i think it it's super weird to talk about my skating like this because i mean we've talked about all the projects that have been involved in yeah and my name is not on it's not on the posters for Cayenne or Mind Your Step. It's literally maybe 5% of the things I've done on BMAG actually have my name 
on the I'm actually credited for it. Most of the thing would just be signed BMAG. Like I've, the project has always come before me, and I've always been really project focused and not. I don't think I'm really ego driven, and even now I don't think it's an ego thing really. To I just want to challenge myself and and change the perspective and be on these yeah be on the skates and see what it what it looks like. But so far I would say it looks like me. So this is nice. I'm I, I think I've been on the skates for 20 plus years at this point, and at least the footage that I've seen does look like me. Uh, it sounds really weird to say, but it it fits my vision of what I want skating to be for me, not like what skating should be, not at all. But I'm not the most technical skater, obviously. I'm not going to be skating a lot of down rails or drop kink rails. This is not what I do, but uh, with my 37 years old body, I'm still able to do things that a lot of people are not, I guess. So I'm just going to try to flow through that video and just have a couple clips sprinkled here and there. Right. And hopefully people will like it. I'm, I'm sure we will. I've, I've only got one more question for you, and it's an important one. Why does, every, why does every Facebook post start with sometimes comma? Um, is, this, is this like a profound thing you read in a book and you thought, I'm stealing no, that? No, it's a really stupid thing. Uh, I just... Uh, Sometimes uh, constraints are good for creativity. So I think at first when I started posting, like it just was like, I don't have a profound answer for this. It was just, I don't know, this is going to be the trademark and I just have to, I guess it changed a lot, but at first it was probably just one sentence and it just had to start like this. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm weird and stupid and I have lots of really stupid ideas and all my friends laugh at me when i just tell them the crazy stuff that comes out of my head so this was just one of the not so good ideas probably but it's still <laughs> well, like you, it, you've ran with it for a very long time so it's, that's it's it i'm, I'm good at taking stupid shit and and keeping it going until people start thinking there's something to it you know i mean it's, no reason it's it's your nope. trademark now so if, if you abandoned it people might think yeah something hey wrong. dustin verbisky just posted something today and the only text attached to it is sometimes i'm gonna dustin i want my royalties yeah, right now copyright copyright that's not his that's not his copywriting suit yeah it's like i've i've told lino he's no longer he's not allowed to use the word platform that's my word now get, <laughs> get, 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 right? no but that's yeah he least. controls he controls half of like you know rollerblading youtube he doesn't get to steal my word as well i'm not having it that's i, I think that's a fair deal i think so too I think you should use it as much as possible and you actually get paid. I think oh, that's a smart shit. idea for you. I've never, I've, see, I've never been that good with the smart ideas. That's the problem. Yeah, I think that's both our problems. Otherwise, we wouldn't be involved with skate media for such a long time, would we? That's also true, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> the curse of uh, smart people doing the media. I've never claimed to be a smart person. Um, I've got nothing else, unless you've got anything else you want to say before we wrap I'm this up. I'm all good, I think. I think it's been a long time running. Well, I hope I, I did give you some dirt and and some stories. You, you dodged, actually, you dodged a have... couple of questions, but I'll I'll let you away with it. No, but you know how it is if you have a professional disagreement and how you've probably done it a lot. Also, no, I, working I get it. Yeah. working with photographers, videographers, people, artists. If I can use that word, that have really specific ideas, and sometimes ideas clash, and that's just it. And you yeah, just you have can. to. Find what's best. You can, and you sometimes can the best is to go separate ways. 
Yeah. It, well, you can disagree, but you can disagree and it doesn't mean you have to fall out or you don't respect each other. You just disagree. And that's yeah, the end of it. Sometimes it can get really intense. I've been, I usually I'm in the position of the mediator between like I've seen crazy stuff happen between two photographers when we're trying to, to do the layout for a project or just like decide, like make the photo selections, people getting such crazy states. So usually I'm the one, the, the pacifier, <laughs> You know, don't worry, guys. We got this. People, passionate people have strong views, and sometimes yeah. they don't like it that's, when that's why blading, to... uh, blading is so great too. People can get so angry about the stupidest shit. I love it. They do. <laughs> we do. I do. Yeah. I'm guessing you do as well. Yeah. Yeah, but that's why I try to stay away from social media a bit more. So you just get a sometimes post every now and then. But it's just you know sometimes. Just some sometimes. I think that's it. I think that's the perfect, perfect. Yeah, that's a nice way to wrap it up. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. It's been a long time. Uh, Nice to catch up with you. And let's have a beer and and actually talk the shit next time. Let's do it. And maybe skate a little bit. Winter Clash. Sometimes you bump into a handsome French man in a foreign country. And sometimes you get uh, massively drunk and talk a lot of crap. I'm 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 all for that. I'm all for that too. Let's do it. (laughs) Until next time, David, thanks for having me on. Speak soon. See you.